0: to another episode of the mouth of the south podcast the gold standard in New Orleans Saints podcast I am your host Darian Gray and as the title may suggest I am the mouth of the south and on today's episode I got a guy with me special friend of the show friend of mine Chris Rose Voglu, host of the straight up Saints podcast hosted and presented to you by boot crew media how you doing today my guy
1: I'm doing well, man. Thank you for having me on. Excited to talk football with you. And and just want to throw this out there. I forgot to mention it. I, I told you on Twitter, but just wanted to congratulate you on that Locked On HBCU podcast. That, you know, I, I feel very uh, strongly about the the Locked On Network and guys like Ross Jackson. They have So I think it's pretty damn awesome that you're joining that network.
0: I appreciate it, my guy. I appreciate it. You know, you reached out to me, but I appreciate you doing it on the uh, show as well. um Man, so we're going to start it off with a quote of the, of the day. And I want to see if you know where this quote is from. And I think you will because it's low-key obvious but you know forget it you don't get to destroy who i am you'll go back to prison and you will live the rest of your miserable life in a cage knowing that you'll never have vanessa that this city rejected you it beat you i beat you do you know what that's from chris
1: absolutely that's daredevil season three finale And, and let me let me just tell you something real quick i think that is arguably one of the greatest scenes uh in any type of comic book show movie whatever like one of the best scenes ever. Like I can't tell you how many times I've watched it on YouTube just like late at night. And I'm like, hey, it's all by recommended. Let me watch it for the 10th time.
0: No, that, that that scene, that mo- that season is phenomenal. And I think we'll have enough time to get into it as time goes on. So let's go ahead and knock out these Saints so that we can talk about the news that Daredevil coming back to or coming to the MCU would be Charlie Cox. So let's go ahead and hop into it. And first off, you're from New York. So is this game special to you in any kind of way or hold any kind of weight?
1: Uh, You know, I think it would if the Saints had a better season right now. I think it absolutely would hold weight because I can't tell you how many times the Saints have had a good record. Like, let's take the the 2017 season when the Saints are playing good football and they do play a team like the Jets, and I'll have a couple of my buddies text me and be like, hey, you know, you want to make a friendly wager on the game. Let's see what happens. And I think it does add a little bit more, but – the way this season's going, not just for the Saints, but also for the Jets. The Jets are obviously in a rough spot right now. And then for the Saints, I mean, to go from 5-2 and two all the way now to 5-7, and seven, that's such a big fall from grace that it definitely hurts. Uh, it's exciting that it's in New York. I'll definitely say that. But the, the reality is that the way these two teams are playing, it doesn't feel like that special of a game, at least for this season.
0: Yeah, I can understand that. And, boy, I tell you, I we just played the Cowboys, and I'm down here. And... So I know how sometimes that that hometown can get you. So I, I understand completely because they are already talking trash. I had a conference call this morning and somebody was talking trash to me about the freaking game. But um, with all of these injuries going into this season, or not even going into the season, but how we are right now, and it's something I want to discuss a little bit as we move into the more of the discussion thing. Can, can you really even consider this a dark time or the dark time without Breeze that we should have expected? I don't know. It feels weird to me. It feels more like, injuries just destroyed the season and not just Breeze's departure
1: yeah no I think you're absolutely right I think it would be a dark time if the Saints were struggling right now and they were five and seven with all their guys healthy with Michael Thomas playing with Kamara back with Winston at quarterback then you're like okay the pieces are here why are we struggling but like if we just dial back the clock and take it back to Halloween they're a five and two football team and they're looking pretty damn good, and they're in the thick of things, and you're talking about being just one game back of the NFC South division leader. So I think for sure I wouldn't consider this a dark time. I would think this is just a year where they've been just completely decimated by injuries, and that's kind of been a factor. Like, do they miss Breeze? Yeah, absolutely. But I don't think missing Breeze is where they're, why they're at where they're at. It's, it's it's all injuries in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I agree, and, and I look at it because – A lot of people I've seen a lot of times say, you know, this is the post-breeze that we should have expected. And in a way, they're not wrong because it is kind of the time that we should have expected. However, it's not happening for the reasons we expect. You think you lose your Hall of Fame quarterback and you're just going to start losing. But we haven't been healthy this whole year. And even when we were, I don't know, at 70, 60 percent with Jameis Winston, you see a team that was able to succeed, was able to move the ball. And in a way, that's kind of the difference between Jameis and these other quarterbacks to me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, the thing about Jameis that I I always said uh, on my podcast that I think is what really what they're missing is I always talk about, like, yeah, Jameis had his flaws and, like, the offense wasn't moving great. But Jameis has a special quality, and it was his arm talent and his ability just, you know, at any moment the Saints might be struggling. But, you know, there you go. There's a 70-yard touchdown strike to Deontay Harris. Well, you take that out. And you see Trevor Simeon, he's not really pushing down the, the ball down the field. Obviously, we know Taysom, he's a great runner, but Taysom is not a great passer, especially down the field. That's where he struggles. And I think just not having that arm is what the Saints have really missed with Jameis Winston. Like, yes, I get it. The passing yards weren't there. The offense wasn't explosive. But that play, you know, the touchdown pass against, let's say, Washington, the touchdown pass against Green Bay, he had those moments that I think the Saints are really missing. They're really missing that ability to get those kind of what I like to call those cheap touchdowns, those one-play hitters that are going to get you on the scoreboard, and not having that is huge. Uh, That being said, though, I know a lot of Saints fans were really upset with the way that Cowboys game. I walked away, and I actually wasn't, like, super discouraged with Taysom Hill. Like, it doesn't change the fact that I don't think he's a quarterback. Like, I don't think he's a franchise quarterback. I think he can be a backup quarterback, but I think, obviously, he's too good of a weapon not to uh, put him in that role. But I watched that game, and I was like, all right, he did some things that weren't bad. Uh, obviously, the Saints still Miss Jameis Winston, but I, I wasn't totally discouraged.
0: Yeah, that's funny. It's funny because we we were talking about it during the game. You remember when I hit you, that realization just, I was going to text you something, that then boom, he throws another interception. And it's like, ah, okay. Because at that point, it did become hard to watch. However, I do believe that there is some good and bad. And I think when... Discussing Jameis, I'm excuse me, when discussing Taysom, it's probably best to remove Jameis. Because I could sit there and say, well, with Jameis, you're doing this, that, and the third. I do think I think that he had better timing in the pocket, you know. And I'm glad that Taysom learned to use his legs at an appropriate time, something that he has struggled with. But if you're comparing the two, I don't really think it's fair to Taysom. And you're not doing this, but if you're comparing, it's just like you're going to take away because I think Jameis was better than Taysom and he probably will continue to be better than Jam- than Taysom because that's why he won the job
1: yeah no absolutely like Jameis is a quarterback J- you know, Taysom Hill is a weapon who you know right now with the way this season's going is playing quarterback but there's like a huge difference and kind of to your point we all saw in the preseason like you know it was a quarterback battle and then when Jameis hit his stride you're like all right yeah it's pretty clear which one's the better option out of the two so yeah, I would never compare the two. Um, I, I do think though, Taysom Hill, right now he, he's got a really fun opportunity though, not just to show that he's an, that he's a quarterback because I think that's kind of almost like long gone in my opinion. But I think it's a fun opportunity for him to show that he has value because I don't know about you, Darian, but I, I noticed on Twitter when the the Taysom Hill extension news broke, it was crazy. Like there were so many Saints fans who were fuming over the news, and like I get it, like they did pay a lot of money. But this idea that he's not valuable to them is like crazy for me. Like, I do think he has a lot of value, and I think a lot of his value this year was diminished by A, injuries, and B, not having all of a sudden can't use Taysom as much because you don't want to risk him getting hurt, but he's already hurt to begin with. And, like, I, again, he's not a quarterback in my mind. That's where you miss Jameis, but. I do think he's got a fun opportunity where he can show that he is valuable. I do think he's a weapon that the Saints have a vision for, not just this year, but next year and, and the following years after that.
0: Okay, let me ask you this then. We're talking about the reaction to Taysom Hill's contract and everything, and people people having the, the response of he's not valuable and acting that way. Do you think that people act this way if he doesn't get that quarterback extension? Cause you know it's kind of a two-part contract deal where he has the $10 million 10 million dollars if he's a weapon but then he has that 23 million dollars maximum per year if he's a quarterback if they just announce taysom hill signs a four-year 40 million dollar extension do you think that response is the same from the fan base i don't
1: think it's, like, as negative, but I still think it's negative, because I had so many people that hit me up, and they're like, hey, you know, but they're paying him as an expensive tight end, and if you're paying him as an expensive tight end, why can't you just go get another receiver, or why can't you go get uh, you know, last year, like a Hunter Henry or a Johnny Smith, or, or, you know, go spend on an actual tight end, rather than paying him, but, like, it's it's just funny to me, because when Taysom Hill's not getting paid, we love to talk about how unique he is, and how valuable he is, but it's like, okay, you only want to talk about how valuable and how many things he can do when you're not paying him a lot as soon as the the contract goes up the value goes up everyone starts freaking out and i, I just think regardless of what it was going to be people are going to go nuts but to your point though the minute you see 90 something million dollars is up there on the table yeah everyone starts freaking out because they're like yeah he's not worth that money so like i totally get that part but even if it was 40 or 40 i saw a lot of people uh just talking about how he's just an overpriced type then and i was like okay i think either way people are going to be negative about it funny enough it lowers his cap hit for next year, which is good news for the Saints if they want to be in a Russell Wilson sweepstakes or something like that. But I think regardless, the the, the reaction was going to be negative. I think as the years go on, the group of people who like Taysom Hill is starting to get significantly smaller.
0: Yeah, it is. So let's look at him as a quarterback because I'm I'm with you, but he is the quarterback. So we kind of have to talk about that. When I looked at his his performance last week against the Cowboys, one thing that stuck out to me, and it was weird, was like his feet. His feet were just weird, and I say weird because it wasn't a pattern. Usually when somebody has bad footwork, they have a thing that they continuously do. But with him, it was just antsy feet every time before he threw the ball, whether that was a shuffle, whether that was a – I seen one time it looked like he took like a hop step out a little bit. Um, but it just seemed every time before he threw the ball, he did something weird with his feet unless he was already on the run. And I think it really affected his accuracy, and we saw it throughout the game, but I think it really affected him just as much, if not more, than that finger injury.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's interesting. I You know, to, to be honest, I wasn't so much into the feet, but now that you mentioned it, I feel like I gotta go back and do like a, a third viewing of his feet and what they were at and why he wasn't accurate. And I'm sure you're probably right. That probably did play a factor. I thought the finger played a factor too. I think for me, I just think Taysom, you know, the accuracy we saw last year, I almost wonder, though, if that was a little bit flawed because, hey, he did have Michael Thomas and he did have Emmanuel Sanders and the Saints weren't really telling him to push the ball down the field. It was a lot of 10- to 15-yard patterns. And, uh, you know, you look at this, the box score, he completed less than 50% of his passes, which obviously isn't good. But I, I will say this. I thought as a passer he struggled. I thought it was kind of the same old where some too much heat on one ball – not enough touch on another ball. Sometimes balls were low at their receiver's feet, like Traquan Smith, which was a big miss there. But then, you know, at the same time, I I do kind of like mallet fingers legit. Like I I am surprised he even played through it. So like I do, you know, say some of that played a factor for sure. But I want to almost, you know, turn one positive real quick because, again, it, it was ugly throwing the football. And I think particularly something that I noticed was, and maybe I didn't catch it as much last year, but I didn't remember so many of Taysom Hill's passes getting batted down last year. But against Dallas, it just kept happening. And actually, one of the picks I felt like was a batted pass, although you look at it, it looked like the DB hit his hand, and maybe that affected it. You had that interception there, he threw a pick to a defensive lineman that ended up going for a touchdown. Just... I- I think he struggled in terms of where he was releasing the ball. I thought it was getting released way too low at times, and that made him susceptible to not only the picks, but also the bad at passes, which I was really frustrated with. But the one positive I'll say, and I think it's kind of frustrating because had he done this last year, everyone would have looked at him a little bit differently. He finally showed, at least for Thursday, that when there is pressure, he can take off and run. For some weird reason, he wasn't doing that last year in his starts. He was just sitting there in the pocket, like determined to say, I can be a pocket quarterback, which is like, that's not what he's supposed to do. But against Dallas, he did take off. That's why he did have over 100 rushing yards. And I thought he was really good in that department. I would love to see more of that from Taysom Hill. Like, I don't care if you're worried what people are going to think about you. I'd rather you be effective. If that means 140 rushing yards and only 180 passing yards, I don't care. Like, that's still a really good game. So I do wonder about that. I do think the Saints had some weird play calls, though, like a third and two rollout and leaving Micah Parsons unblocked was just, That was just foolish in my opinion, but yeah, I think Taysom Hill struggled with his accuracy. I thought for some reason he was releasing the ball low, but I did like that he took off a lot.
0: Yeah, I love that, and I believe that Taysom Hill did exactly what we thought. I mean, the game was much closer, so it kind of, the margin for error wasn't there. You would have thought that the Saints would get blown out the same way they did against the Bills, and maybe we look at this a little different, but his mistakes and some of the mistakes of the receivers, a la a man who isn't here anymore in time to retire the number 12. But the, the, the mess ups and mistakes of those guys, it, it, it was emphasized because the margin of error was so small. But I think Taysom Hill came in and did exactly what we thought he would do. And that's give a spark to an offense that was dead. And the offense was absolutely dead in the water. And for the first time in over a month, they actually were able to move the ball for real in the first three quarters. And I think that's something that needs to be pointed out. That's one of the positives. And he did know how to run the ball. They did use him to actually run the ball on design calls after the second half once he started showing that he can actually run. So I do think those were some of the things that were good for Taysom Hill and something that I would like to see continue to happen. The third and two call is the third and two call uh, whew, that we can have a whole 30-minute podcast. I talked, to, uh, I talked to Ross about 10 minutes. For, on that one play. So it's definitely one of those. But moving into next week, or I guess this week really, against the Jets, what what's a matchup that you're looking for right now?
1: I think I think it's two things. For for one, I'm looking at what does Kamara do. And now this is if Camara's active, and I'm not worried about the knee injury now. It seems like that's kind of gone. I'm worried about the COVID situation. Obviously, I know you want to talk about it later, but Oof. it's something we can to get worry to it. about if Kamara – if Kamara ends up missing this game, obviously that would be a problem. But let's say Kamara does play in this game. I was looking at this Jets' run defense, specifically what they were doing in the front, especially with their outside of C.J. Mosley. They did not have much uh, fight over there. They didn't have much penetration in the trenches. And, and I saw Miles Sanders, who, you know, the jury's still out on what he could be as a player. He had over 120 rushing yards. I think Kamara could have a big game. Even Kenneth G- will he had over 50 rushing yards. Like this Eagles run offense, they had over 200 rushing – almost 200 rushing yards, excuse me. I think the Saints could have a big day there with Kamara. But I also think with Taysom Hill, there was a lot of plays, whether it was this week with Gardner Minshew or even weeks in the past, whether it was Carson Wentz or even Josh Allen. I've seen the Jets struggle when they're going up against these option-type offenses, and I think the Saints can have a, a real big advantage there if Kamara's healthy and the Saints want to utilize that, whether it is a run option or it is a power, a power QB run. I think these are matchups that they could take advantage of. And and this is a Jets team right now that, although they have a defensive-minded head coach, they are giving up a lot of points. Like, I'm not expecting the Saints offense to just blow up and put up 40 points, but they've given up 45 to the Bills. They've given up 33 to the Eagles without Jalen Hurts. They've given up 45 to the Colts. They've given up 54 to the Patriots. So, like, I do think with a run-style offense, with Kamara healthy and letting Taysom Hill run, I think that's the matchup where you're just, just having those two dominate that Jets front seven. I think it's a very possible scenario.
0: I do, and I think this is somewhat of a get-right game for the Saints. I think you're looking at them to score maybe 25 points. They scored 25 points, but come on. like The Saints versus Eagles, they scored 29. The Falcon game, they scored 25. I'm looking for them to really score their first real 25 points, not those BS fourth-quarter point 25-point uh games. But have their real first good offensive performance for four quarters for the first time in a month. And I think that this is the game to do it because the Jets' defense has not been good no matter how you really slice it. They just have not performed well. And you would think that was solid. it would be different, but it isn't. So I look at this as a really get-right game for the Saints on the offensive side of things. And I think it's a dangerous game for Marshawn Lattimore because that's one guy I really get tired of talking about. I hate talking about Marshawn now more than I hate talking about how we don't have receivers. It's just a tired topic to me. Um, However, I do think that he has a big-time game against Elijah Moore, a guy I liked coming out of Ole Miss. And he's been really good over these last couple of weeks, and that's really the only weapon that the Jets have. So on the defense, I think all efforts should be concerted to stopping Elijah Moore, and that's my matchup that I'm looking for in this game.
1: I, I love that I mentioned you know two things you mentioned that I love I love the Elijah Moore praise because I actually wanted he was one of the guys in my bubble of players I would have loved if the Saints took in the first round Ditto. and I think he I think since I think the stat is since week nine no receiver has more touchdowns than him which is really interesting because that that is a matchup that if you're Lattimore and that's my second point I agree with you about getting tired about talking about this. There is no excuse to not wake up. You're going up against one of the best rookie wide receivers. This is a good opportunity to kind of give him that welcome to the NFL moment of, hey, you're going up against a top corner. And, and you know, I'm fair with Lattimore. I tell people all the time, I get, like, a lot of – there's a couple of Saints fans who get so mad when people criticize Lattimore. But I think I'm fair. When he doesn't play well, I say he doesn't play well. And when he plays well, like I thought he played well last week against the Cowboys, I'm going to say I thought he made a lot of good plays out there. But to your point, it's exhausting that it is year five, and we're talking about, A – you know uh you know is he ready is is he, is it going to happen is he going to show up for this game is he not and it's just i don't want to do this like every single game just talking about whether or not he's going to get up for it it's it's wild to me
0: yeah it's it's tiring it's it's it shouldn't be the case and and it's it's difficult because you kind of do have to talk about it you, like you can't yeah. avoid it it's a topic it's not one of those things where you just don't want to talk about it and I can move on for example i don't like adam Troutman. I don't think he's I don't think he's been good. You know, I don't think that's a hot take. However, I cannot talk about Adam Troutman every week. I don't have to talk about that. But I do kind of have to talk about Marshawn and who he's going against because he's the best cornerback on the team and he's going to be drawing the premium matchups every week. So it, it's really it's really a difficult place to be put in. It it, it
1: is. And and the, the thing is when he got paid. I thought he played so well the first couple of weeks of the season, and I was like, dude, I think it's over. Like, I think we're done talking about this. And that was, like, foolish of me to jump the gun because he had that little phase where the Bills game, he struggled, the Titans game, he struggled, the Eagles game, he struggled. And I was like, all right, like, I I, I can't keep doing this. But to your point, like, you have to because it is a talking point. And, like, if he does struggle Sunday, then we got to talk about how he struggled against the Jets Sunday. But we think he'll pick it up against the Buccaneers because he's going to go up against Mike Evans. Like, that that is just crazy. And I'll just throw this in here real quick because obviously I don't want to, you know, take up all your time talking about Lattimore, but I remember when the Eagles played the Saints, Darius Slay had a great game, and a lot of Saints fans were barking with Eagles fans about this topic, and they're like, hey, the Saints have no receivers, uh, you know, don't brag about it, and I'm like, you know what, I'm thinking the opposite. Kudos to Darius Slay that the Saints have no receivers, and he came out here and was like, I'm still going to shut these guys down regardless, I, I don't care who, you know, what the names on the back of these jerseys are, like, that's what I want from Lattimore. Uh, and that's what I would love to see, and because he has the talent, but it
0: just doesn't happen. That's a true indictment of Lattimore, because there is no reason we should be praising Darius Slay for locking down Marquez Callaway, but we have lived our life in. You know what? I'm not. I'm not going to raise my blood pressure talking about this. I'm. I'm just going to keep it moving. I'm just going to go on to these. Wow, to the receivers. But that. That's a terrible segue if I'm trying to calm myself. But what is the impact of Deontay Harris's suspension, especially with? Kenny Stills getting waved too. And, I mean, Kenny Stills hasn't been good, but at least he's a body. Now it's looking like I can't even name five receivers. You got Traquan, Marquez, and Lil Jordan. I, Kevin White, I guess. I can't even name any more receivers than that. So, I guess just talk about the state of the wide receiver room right now.
1: Yeah, I think it's, you know – You can tell the Saints were gearing for a suspension, I would say, when you notice that Deontay Harris wasn't getting touches manufactured for him anymore. You know, I know people are going to look at the Cowboys' box score, and they're going to say, hey, he had 90-something yards, he had that long touchdown, but it was garbage time, and it was off a short pass. Like, Deontay made something out of nothing on that play, and not having that obviously hurts, but I think Sean, the last couple weeks, has not gone out of his way to, you know, go with end-arounds, go for screen passes, go for those deep shots for Deontay. It's almost like it's been taken out and that could be him preparing for the suspension and his way of putting him in the doghouse or what it might be. But I, I think you're looking at, you know, more of Traquan and Callaway like we've already seen now. That might not even be a good thing because they have to create separation in order to get the ball. Uh, little Jordan Humphrey, I'm going to give him some credit. I think he's the one receiver the last couple of weeks. has been playing really well. I think he's got about three uh, three straight games with a touchdown, if, I, if I'm wrong. Um, but he's been playing much better of late, and, and again, that's not a guy you want to rely on all the time, but he, I, I want to give him some credit for what he's able to do. But I think this means we're going to see a lot more Ty Montgomery in the passing game. I hope this means more Jawan Johnson. Like, I know Jawan Johnson's still learning how to play a tight end, but I thought he ran the best route we've seen all season from a Saints pass catcher against Dallas. Uh, he did get hurt on the play, obviously, with the neck injury, but he was able to kind of pin that corner to the outside a little bit and then come right back in off the seam and make that play. So I'm hoping this means more Jawan Johnson – more-time Montgomery, guys of that sorts. But to your point, it's the same receiving corps in the sense that it's not a good group, it's not an explosive group, and it's not a group that the Jets are going to look there while they're preparing and say, oh, my God, like how are we going to stop these dudes? Like, they should... You know, the, no one there on that list is going to really scare you. Um, but you never know. Obviously, injuries open up, injuries and suspensions open up doors for other players, and maybe this is Ty Montgomery and Jawan Johnson's chance to kind of bust through that door and make a play. But I, I have no issue with them cutting stills. He has five catches on 22 targets or something absurd like that, and that that is just wild to me. And then, obviously, Deontay Harris. I'm glad he's serving the suspension now because nothing would be worse than not serving it this year and then serving it next year when the Saints should be much better. So, uh, it, it's just
0: a weird situation for this receiving group. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with everything. I do like Jawan Johnson a lot. I wanted him to get more time as soon as Troutman. I wanted him to get more time when Troutman was there, but as soon as Troutman got hurt, I was ready for Jawan Johnson's season. And as far as Kenny Stills goes, the only thing worse than his performance on the field was that jacket that he wore to the to the Pelicans game. That jacket was absolutely disgusting. And I, I love the, co- the color purple, but that, that jacket was terrible, and he should never wear that again but um I don't know what he'd be doing with his with his dressing but let's get let's get into the last couple of questions um COVID is bad when I don't even want to get into it because I'll just say it Cam Jordan and Mark Ingram will be missing this game because of COVID and that will have an impact we don't have any defensive ends I'm sorry I have to talk about Lattimore in the in the receivers I can't I can't even get into any more any more negative negative things and We'll be on Straight Up Saints, so maybe we'll discuss those things there. So it's kind of like an hour podcast, if you really think about it, with us doing both episodes. But I want to ask you about the draft versus the playoffs. And I think this is an interesting position that the Saints are in right now, and they don't have to deal with it. But as fans, it's something that we can concern ourselves with. And how do you feel when when thinking about, okay, we could have a really good draft position, or we can go into the playoffs and maybe steal a game but that's really our ceiling at, at most and that's a vaunted ceiling as far as stealing the game
1: you know it's so tough because i i think i would say and and correct me if, if you feel differently but i would say most of the huda nation is kind of like on the tank slash draft status now of things i think that's what they're really concerned about but for me until the saints are in a hole that i think is way too big i'm still among the believers that like you still kind of try to make the playoffs because you are 5-7, and seven, but look at the two wild-card teams. There's six 6-6. and six. And one of those two wild-card teams, the Saints have already beat this year in the Washington football team. And I think that for the Saints, until – if you, you lose to the Jets, let's say, and you're 5-8, and eight, and you got to play Tampa Bay the next week, and the two teams in the wild-card ahead of you all got at least seven wins. All right, yeah, like I would say, let's call off the dogs. Like, I think it's over. But this is a winnable game. And you still are in the thick of things. And, 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 look, you want to go after Russell Wilson? You want to go after Aaron Rodgers? Those guys might look at the Saints and be like, hey, they made the playoffs this last year without a wide receiver one, with their running back missing time, with their tackles missing time, with Marcus Davenport missing time, with, with so many guys down. And they might think to themselves, hey, I'm the missing piece. I go there. These guys are healthy. What can I do? And I think that's really important. And the second part of it is this. So everyone wants the Saints to get a uh, a really good draft pick, and I get that. I totally get it. But when Saints fans say, hey, I want a good draft pick, who are the names that they're all mentioning? They're mentioning Chris Olave. They're mentioning Jameson Williams. They're mentioning Garrett Wilson. And, again, all great, really fun prospects that I all like. But I'm telling you guys from now, if the Saints have a really high pick and they're going to use it, I think there's two options. I think they could go quarterback depending on what they do – in free agency in the draft, like, I would not be surprised. I, I'm going to just throw a name out there. I think Kenny Pickett from Pitt is a quarterback who checks off all the boxes for Sean Payton. I'm not saying they're going to draft him, but he's a guy that I'm, I'm saying can check off the boxes. And I think the second position, what I think is the more, more likely position for the Saints, is offensive tackle. Like, if the Saints are picking top 10 or top 15, and they can get an offensive tackle like a, a uh, maybe a Charles Cross or even – God forbid he slipped and Evan Neal, which if Evan Neal slipped, the Saints should run up to the podium and select him. Those are guys that I could see them taking, you know, and everyone wants them to get those flashy players, but I don't know if that's a legit possibility. So uh, I'm still of the playoff mentality. We'll, we'll see what happens. But if they lose this Jets game, I'm willing to change my approach. But there's still five football games left to be played for the Saints. It's a lot of time, and you never know, man. You, you, you really never know in this league. Outside of the Bucs game, I feel like the Saints have games that they couldn't be, They can beat these teams, and I, I've always said that 9-8 is probably a playoff team, so again, they can run the table, it's unlikely, but if you're telling me the Saints can make the playoffs and ruin one of those top teams' season, I would rather have that than the pick, knowing that the Saints probably aren't going to take a Jamison Williams or a Chris Olave.
0: I, I think they take Chris Olave, man, or, or Garrett Wilson. I don't know. Maybe it's just the continuous Ohio State affinity that the Saints seem to have that may break the trend of not drafting skill positions. And that's really the only thing I have to go on. But um, I don't think you're wrong. I do think that the majority of the Huda Nation is sitting there thinking, let's just go ahead and tank it. And it's difficult because I'm not of that belief, but my heart is. Like, my heart is saying, let's just be bad. Let's just. Let's just be bad and get this high pick, but then my mind is, I can't lose. I don't want to tank, and then especially with how bad that 6 and 7, because it's really like between 6 to 10, 11, as far as the NFC goes, we're all in the same boat. It's all like separated by like a game or two, so it's really hard to say tank when you're right there, and I have too much pride to say just lose, because you're not far enough. If you lose to the Jets and you lose to the Bucks, you would think that maybe you could lose, but... The way things have been going, Minnesota might lose another game. They're not supposed to. They could lose to the uh, to the Steelers, and it's things like this that I can't really prepare for because you don't know how these teams are gonna play. You lose two games, you're still in the thick of it. So it's kind of a difficult situation. But one last question, because we wrapped up all of this Saints stuff, but I do want to ask you: If it was up to you and you're writing, and Kevin Feige comes to you and says, "Chris, I want you to write this story," how do you bring Daredevil into the MCU?
1: oh man you know that's so tough because like that is that was kind
0: of an unfair question to spring on you
1: know no it's you know, it, it, no, it, you know it, it's definitely fair though but i think that you know the, the problem with this is it's like not everyone watched the netflix show and funny enough i didn't watch it until this year and my brother was like my brother's like, Chris, you know, this show is amazing. And for years, my brother begged me. He's like, I'm telling you, you're gonna love it. You're gonna love this show. You're gonna love it. And I'm like, I'll get to, I'll get to. And I kept just, you know, putting it to the side. And then I finished. And I go up to him. I'm like, Yeah, you were right. I was wrong. Like, I, I owe you an apology. It's one of the best shows I've seen. But I, I think it's two things. I think for starters, I think getting him in No Way Home as Peter Parker's lawyer. Obviously, that seems like what they're gonna do. That makes a lot of sense just to get him in there as a quick cameo. And and then all of a sudden, people are gonna see him in the movie. And be like, Hey. Either you have the fans like us who have seen him and are really excited to see him back on the screen, we're going to be pumped, and then you're going to have that portion that might not know who he is and be like, "Hey, who's Matt Murdock?" Learn a little bit more about Matt Murdock. They might be inclined to go watch the show. Now, once you get that out of the way, I think the second important thing is getting Kingpin involved in this universe. Whoa, whoa, whoa,
0: whoa, whoa, though. whoa! You said Kingpin. I just want you to yeah, know. Sure. I have not watched Hawkeye episode four. If anything you're about to say is about Hawkeye episode four, please stop. Nope,
1: nope. Okay, all I, right. I, I don't do spoilers. <laughs> all right, carry on. I watched King one through three, but carry on. Hey, hey you're going to love four. I'm telling you, four was exciting. But okay. At some point, you have to get him involved. Whether that is in Hawkeye, I'm not sure if that's the plan or if that's in a different show. At some point, you know, I think Echo is getting her own show, so maybe you want to put Kingpin in there perhaps. You know, I think that would be something smart, so getting those two in there because you can't have one without the other it would kind of make no sense you know kingpin's got to be there to be the big bad for daredevil having that i think the, the main thing for me though is how do you do his next whether it's a season or a, a movie i'm going to guess it's a season though. let's say it's a season do you kind of do a soft reboot where you can do another storyline about daredevil versus kingpin and go from there or are you piggybacking off the the end of season three of the netflix show and, and getting bullseye involved I think the smarter route is probably just rebooting it softly uh, and building up another storyline again where you have Daredevil versus Fisk. But maybe I don't need the backstory as much. I don't need to see for the 15th time how Daredevil got his powers and what happened and and why he is who he is. But I do think that you can kind of do a little bit of season one mixed in with season three in the sense that you do have Fisk versus uh, Matt, and you kind of go off that. I don't know exactly who we want to put in play, though. Does Spider-Man make a cameo in these shows? I have no clue. I think there's so many moving parts here. But as a fan of this character, uh, I want them to give us another Daredevil Fisk storyline, but I don't want them to completely undo everything that happened in the Netflix show because I think the Netflix show developed him so well. And we haven't seen this in the Disney shows because there's not enough episodes, in my opinion. There's only like six episodes per show, and that's not enough but I would like to see a 10 to 12-episode season where you are building up that multi-lifestyle of Matt Murdock and Daredevil where, hey, when he wants to be Daredevil, all right, then things aren't going to go well for Matt Murdock, and then if he wants to be Matt Murdock, things aren't going to go well for Daredevil vice versa. Something of that sort. Give me more Kingpin. Give me white suit Kingpin. I don't need black suit Kingpin. And just go from there. Just make something happen. I, I have confidence in them anyway, but I just hope that we get, and you tweeted about this, I hope we do get a hallway scene, though, because those are some of the best choreographed fight scenes in any movie or show I've ever seen.
0: They are. They are. I need me. I need it. I told you I need the hallway fight scene in my veins, man. But I appreciate you coming on. I can't wait to come on the Straight Up Saints. Man, go catch my guy, Rose Voglu. Tell him where to find you at.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. I appreciate you having me on. People can find me on Twitter at Report, R-O-S-V-O-G-L-O-U-Report. They can check out my podcast, Straight Up Saints at Booker Media, and also my writing at The Spun and Sports Illustrated. I appreciate you having me on, man. And, and the funny thing is we still have so much left more, you know, so much more left, excuse me, that I will make sure we hit on my podcast. And, and like you said, kind of have like a two-parter.
0: Yeah, man. So make sure you guys go take care of that. Until the next time you all hear me, go check him out and run it back. It's been Darian Gray, the Mouth of the South. beneath blessed.